0: I'm David Moskrat. Welcome to Open to Debate. Surveying the state of competition in Canada, you might be forgiven for thinking that the country is a handful of companies in a trench coat. One of the central critiques of capitalism is that it tends towards monopoly, or at least towards oligopoly. Canada is a telling case study that supports the hypothesis. Market monopoly and oligopoly makes for a raw deal for consumers, leading us to ask, what is to be done about Canada's competition problem? On this episode, I talk with Vass Bedner, executive director of the Master of Public Policy program at McMaster University, Public Policy Forum fellow, and writer of "Regs to Riches." Let's start by talking about competition and what it means. Let's get let's get a base. Uh, so, what does it mean to ask if Canada has a competition problem?
1: Um, what would it mean? So. Canada would have a competition problem. You know, we see the increasing consolidation and concentration of markets. We're seeing a decline in business dynamism. We're seeing um, less uh, new companies started. Right, so all those can be indicators of a of a broader competition problem. People typically interpret, you know, an increase in price as as being indicative that a monopoly of sorts. Uh, is is occurring I think right now that could get a little bit messy with inflation, and that's certainly part of it, but it it's not the it's not the only indicator and I think we've seen so many little instances throughout the pandemic where people are really starting to question whether the competition legislation that we have really works for us right um coordination around hero pay by grocery stores. Customers, consumers are kind of freaking out about the proposed Roger Shaw merger, etc., cetera. Et cetera. Um, I don't know if that's helpful to you or how much detail you
0: want. No, no. I mean, I, you know, you, you mentioned the the industries. I think where we tend to feel this. I mean, grocery is one of them, and we all remember the bread uh, price fixing scandal. Uh, you know, telco is another. We, you know, Bell's sort of raising some prices again, <laughs> despite the fact that we were promised lower prices. I mean, this keeps coming up again and again. And is it, this is a, a monopoly and oligopoly problem. I mean, wh- where is this coming from?
1: Two places. I mean, one, we have this very basic opportunity to consider reviewing the Competition Act, which is the legislative infrastructure of competition, right? It's like that foundation, the rules. Um, and competition. the Competition Act doesn't say that big is bad or that there can't be any monopolies. What it does is it defines... Um, various anti-competitive behaviors. The thing is, the Competition Act was last comprehensively reviewed 35 years ago. And you can imagine that our economy has changed significantly (laughs) since then, right? We're a data-driven digital economy. And it's time for Canada to just take a second and really interrogate, does, does this legislation contemplate this fundamentally new environment that firms are, are competing in, you know, are there any new types of anti-competitive behavior that we need to define or are they, are they sufficiently captured in what we have? And in doing so, we can take stock of, okay, what are the trends we've been seeing? Like we have pretty big res- a pretty big research deficit in Canada when it comes to, you know, understanding is there a concentration problem and, and what are the dynamics of those? The research tends to be very sector-specific if it exists at all, which is good, but again, we're missing that
0: comprehensive picture. So I want to dig into the Competition Act itself in a minute, and, but first I want to get there by way of saying, or by asking, you know, what, why should we care that we have a competition problem? Now, you know, there are people on the left, including myself, who will say that this is this is a fundamental market problem born of the nature of capitalism, which tends towards monopoly. And we need to have a discussion about, you know, what kind of industries we want and, and uh, you know, who we want controlling them. But there's a broader fundamental problem, which is, you know, within the current market structure, which is, okay, we have a competition problem that creates, you know, negative outcomes that we need to care about right here and right now. And I want to get a sense of what are those outcomes? I mean, the first that comes down would be, of course, cost, but, but it, presumably it's more complicated than that.
1: There's this weird little part of our Competition Act that really stands out. It's called the efficiency defense. My research collaborator, Uh-oh. Robin Shabon.
0: <laughs> what? No, I mean, as soon as I heard no. efficiency defense, I was like, that sounds terrible. It,
1: it, you know, it, we it's the the philosophy that underpins our approach to competition in Canada, fundamentally privileges efficiency over everything else, which means, you know, why should you care about competition? Well, um, there are implications for worker power. Again, the ability to start a new business, the ability to compete online as a business, Um you know, we don't even define uh, uh, self-preferencing, right? So self-preferencing is something that's being examined elsewhere in terms of, is this an inherently anti-competitive behavior when you both own and operate on a platform? Mm -hmm. The classic example right now that people are talking about is with Amazon, you know, both deriving information about price and demand for their own products, but perhaps directly leveraging information from their platform to to form Amazon Basics, etc. Now, when, in the absence of a critical look at those behaviors, there is like it's totally a gray zone or there's a gap, right? So this is not the fault of businesses, or we often frame the competition issues in terms of big tech, right taking on big tech. Well, there are all kinds of digital companies that are worth thinking about whether this current competition re- regime serves them, serves them well, and, and is leading to a healthy economy, and I, I really think that that basic review of the competition act is is foundational to this aspiration of, of building back better
0: i right, so let, let's get into the act a little bit now uh, you know you you mentioned that it, it isn't about monopoly it's about anti competitive practices i mean where does it fail to meet contemporary challenges and and realities in a marketplace that has as you mentioned changed a little bit since we were using aol uh, do we ever have aol here whatever whatever we had here you know the discs that you would get anyone who's under 30 listening to this <laughs> thinks, <laughs> thinks i'm speaking sumerian but you know you'd get a disc in the mail and you would log on to the internet with the disc as long as your mom or dad wasn't on the phone right <laughs> but, right
1: So, I mean, in terms of some deficiencies, one, um, uh, a paper Robin and I wrote, published earlier this year by McGill on the state of competition policy in Canada is a great primer if anyone wants to kind of dive in and just brush up on the mechanics and some of the history. We point to a couple of of aspects of the legislation there. One is we kind of have this arbitrary uh, threshold for a merger review, right? So, even though technically the competition bureau can can evaluate and take a look at any kind of merger the the threshold's quite high which means in a digital context we could miss a ton of killer acquisitions or we also don't consider the the role and value of consumer data in those mergers mm-hmm. and in the valuation of a company right so with hindsight being what it is and taking a look again, what can we learn from elsewhere? Or there's some interesting conversations going on uh, related to Facebook and Amazon, uh, Amazon, Facebook and Instagram and WhatsApp. Um, again, our legislation doesn't contemplate that because it, it cannot. And then you have the efficiencies defense, right? Which means that we're, you know, we can... So we see prices increase, but no big deal because we found some efficiencies, even if it's leading to layoffs, even even if it's minimizing worker power. And there's a huge opportunity to rethink a more inclusive competition act that takes the labor market into perspective and also the, the impact of, again, the digital economy and some of these mergers for, for certain uh, certain segments of the workforce.
0: I mean, this act is presumably meant to protect consumers ultimately, right? But it, it strikes me that it it seems to be protecting nobody but entrenched interests. I mean, is the goal oh. to protect consumers here? Is it to protect?
1: No, like, let's look up the purpose statement of the act. I mean, look, in Canada, we have consciously decoupled, um, and making it sound like a breakup, but we've consciously decoupled <laughs> uh, the competition from consumer protection. Right. So you know it is there is a bit of a disconnect and there is an opportunity to take more of a consumer protection lens and kind of build it into again what is it that we want competition to achieve for us in Canada and how does it fit into those broader economic goals and does the philosophy that has come to underpin the legislation and our approach does it still serve us well is it relevant that's could be part of reviewing the act because even though i feel my my ask is is pretty basic you know very much like spring cleaning let's let's maintain this like let's take it in for a tune up i wouldn't want that review to be captured by corporate interests right we need more voices all kinds of different stakeholders to be thinking and talking about competition we also need to ask all kinds of entrepreneurs and small business owners about their experiences from a from a competition landscape to really understand is this is this legislation helping or hurting them or does it actually maybe mean nothing at all in their day to day?
0: Why would we have a, a, a review of say the Broadcasting and, and Telecommunications Act? You would have legislative review of that, but not the Competition Act. I'm not sure. Sh- mm. Why? You know what I mean? It strikes me that if we if we think that okay, well, look, the, things have changed. We need a, we need as a rule we need to review the broadcasting telecommunications legislation. Like presumably, then as a rule, we need to review the competition legislation too. If those industries are changing, then presumably this needs to have a look too, right?
1: Yeah, I mean that's a that's an interesting angle. I think what we saw during the election is that conversations around open banking and especially telecommunications were an entry point for so many people to kind of talk and think about competition more broadly as to why we wouldn't. Well, one again, lack of there's a really homogenous kind of vibe in terms of the, the thinker landscape right now when it comes to competition and that, that vibe is very protective of the status quo, very hostile to new voices. Um, Number one. Number two, um, we don't have a very vocal competition commissioner in the way that other jurisdictions do because the competition bureau is nested under ISED, right? The very ministry of essentially industry that they are navigating. So I think that comparative silence from, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a far less political role can also make it seem like, oh, there aren't problems here that we might need to look at, right? Um, why else? I mean, perhaps, perhaps business interests have been, have been fighting against this, or perhaps uh, me and my, my research friends haven't been doing a compelling enough job articulating the problems, but I love that you use that problem language because I actually think it's a problem. I think it's a problem. problem for policymakers that we, we have trained ourselves and each other to be so reactionary. We can also be proactive. We can spot those harms in the horizon. We can look at what's taking place in other jurisdictions and, you know, consider what we might want to import or take some inspiration from here. And other jurisdictions are thinking really critically about digital and data markets and what that means for the economy. I think, I'll finally answer your question now, why don't we have it yet in Canada? Well, it could be because we think the data commissioner, is going to take on issues related to data, and it will be somewhat adjacent to the Competition Act itself. That's one of my hypotheses. I'm not saying I, I support that necessarily.
0: No, I mean I think you're probably onto something there. And it, it, you know, it's it's interesting you mentioned other jurisdictions because it strikes me that if the U.S continues on the path that it that it has been on um, pushing back against you know tech oligopoly and monopoly that maybe we'll be more inclined to do so ourselves I'm not, I'm not convinced but it's entirely possible but you mentioned the competition bureau which you know might strike some people as uh, surprising that, that that it exists but it does we have a competition Bureau such as a, that it is uh, totally it, it doesn't seem particularly active Um it is. It is super active. It is super active. It's just um, active in the sense that it's that it's looking at things, or the, in the sense that it's stopping mergers and and uh, breaking people up.
1: Um, so we have the power to break up companies. Divestiture is a remedy under the Act, but I couldn't find evidence that we've done it. I found uh, a few historical examples of where we considered it, um, but Canada has had little fits and starts of those conversations around considering the value and, and power of consumer data and the associated advantages it can create. Um, there was a, a 2018 House of Commons report. Um, it, the, the frame was democracy. It's called Democracy Under Threat, Risks and Solutions <laughs> in the Era of Disinformation and Data Monopoly, oh, right? Oh so God.
0: Sounds like a great think one of, tank paper.
1: <laughs> it's just one of those ways we we lump all those things together. But you know, you mentioned other jurisdictions. Sometimes I get a lot of questions based on if there's any kind of case taken on in the UK or in the US, especially people sort of say, okay, so when will we do this? Like, what about us? Mm -hmm. And I think that's a good prompt too, because usually I then explain why we can't and why we won't bring forward a similar case. And that can, that can be an entry point for people to be like, oh, but You know, why wouldn't we investigate this kind of behavior or this company? Another one of those reasons you were asking about deficiencies, you know, we don't have the power to do market studies like competition authorities do in the US. So it's very difficult to get the kind of information that the Bureau might need, active as they are, right, when they're doing an investigation. So that can that can compromise, that can compromise our ability you know, if you can't do a market study, best we can do is, is learn from other jurisdictions and kind of watch what happens there. But that's good. Like, I don't think we have to replicate, that's not my jam, right? I don't think we have to replicate those cases against those large technology firms. What we need to do is make sure that we are doing our homework so that we have the right kind of competition, governance, guidance for a digital economy because no one no other regulator is going to come to Canada and take a look at our companies for us. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, we have to worry and think about our country and our ability to, yeah, have a robust economy. Anyway,
0: go ahead. Our, our, our competition bureau can't do market studies? No. Okay, that's good. <laughs> why, why would they? Why would they? Uh, uh, that i'm sort of stunned but not surprised by that i we are like a handful of oligopolies in a trench coat and it's just uh,
1: yeah the joke is kind of true the joke is kind of true um but you know the election made me optimistic i know it seems i know there's a real i dream of genie vibe right like we the protagonists blink their eyes and they're in a new outfit and we're just all on set. Like what just
0: happened? I like how um, our uh, references are super contemporary tonight, today. Yes.
1: <laughs> I'm
0: sorry. Tonight. <laughs> no, to, the, we, we, no, both of us, I'm talking about Samiria. You're talking about yeah. Isaiah the Genie. Everyone's like, yeah, I, yeah, I'm that's, super. I don't know. It's like I speak in gifts sometimes. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, No, me too. It's great. Everyone's you're welcome. Everyone.
1: So we, we kind of, we kind of talked about competition in different ways, big and small. We, I think we talked around the elephant in the room, which for me is just that basic, we got to take a look at this legislation. We have to kind of do that pulse check, probably commit to reviewing it something like every five years, like the Bank Act. That would be cool. Yeah. Um, but it was also interesting that it was often about the approach to competition was often about othering big tech, right? So the Conservatives were actually the most vocal about competition, the most explicit in terms of how they would approach things differently. They talked about reining in the big technology companies, you know, creating a technology task force in the Competition Bureau to examine whether dominance and anti-competitive behavior of big tech is damaging to can- Canadian industry. That's a good idea, right? Examine how algorithms and data give big tech an advantage over Canadian businesses mm-hmm. um, and how fintech and new technologies could foster improved. Pro- That's a great idea but i don't think the hook needs to be big tech right we have companies that are that are totally ripping off big tech's playbook here in canada and arguably causing harm in the in the marketplace and that's worth investigating too but we're we're very polite in canada and i think very shy to even muse about what those case studies could be or who those companies are Um, And that's fine. Maybe that's an appropriate way to be. But I'm someone who's super committed to constantly pulling in those Canadian examples, those case studies, those stories, again, to make the issue real and give people different,
0: different entry points.
1: If I could say a couple more things about election stuff, could I on competition?
0: Absolutely. I'll, I'll just say one really quick point on this first. Yeah. In what world will we say, okay, well, text the problem and not turn around and say, but also like banking and telco and are all, I, I don't, I, I agree with you Once I, I think big tech, the tech oligopoly is, is an area of concern, but I also think you can't look at it without looking at banks and looking at telcos who are at least as big of a problem.
1: Yeah, but I mean, they also, because they're a highly regulated industries, they have their own legislation layered in. Right. So right. you could also argue that like the proposed privacy and consumer protection bill C11. Yeah. Um, you know, that aspects of that bill will improve competition overall because of data portability, which is a gateway to open banking, etc. So, sure, I'm happy to layer in. I'm not a telecommunications pro. I'm learning more about the Banking Act in my spare time because I As one realized does. it would be useful. It's interesting. Someone's got to do it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, absolutely. And, and if those are, if those are the hooks and that's kind of, that's the package, I think that's great. But the number one, I mean, I could go into lots more about, you know, my reflections on the election or my desperate attempt to kind of find those glimmers of hope when it comes to how we're talking and thinking about competition in Canada. But to your earlier question, like, why aren't we seeing movement here? Well, the file lacks a compelling political champion mm-hmm. that's a reality and that hurts us too in canada mm-hmm. right we need somebody who is brave unafraid to navigate corporate canada in a relentless pursuit of a level playing field for the digital economy
0: When was last time we had someone like that
1: in canada <laughs> 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 like a little caped crusader like a little policy wonk like loving
0: stuff i mean i i I'm just trying to think of who that would be. because this is the I said minister that would be doing this, right? Presumably that we need. The, yeah, but and for people who who aren't acronym people, it's Innovation, Science, and and Economic Development. But uh, yeah, is is that the ministry that would be championing?
1: Yes, but also think about that inherent potential conflict of interest, right? You're the Ministry of Industry, yeah. And you're you're saying like oh, it's a little tough, maybe. I think also Finance has a you know big interest in this file. I can imagine. Maybe christia Freelands you know given her her excellent past work as a business journalist would would have the the vocabulary and kind of the ability to navigate this. It could be someone from the Senate i mean i'm I'm agnostic on who it ends up being. I think it there's it's I think it's an easy file to get that. Of cross party support on too. Again, back to those clues from the election from looking at party platforms and where the appetite was from parties to talk about that. You know, the liberals were more kind of broad. They acknowledged Main Street businesses were locked down for months while big chains reaped record profits. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's competition. Mm -hmm. Um, And they did have, you know, that nugget. They will move forward on legislation, blah, 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 to provide a clear set of rules that ensure fair competition in the online marketplace. That's great. Is that through competition or some other, you know, barnacle piece of legislation we're going to layer in somehow? I'm not sure. Um, and then the the NDP, I, I really think missed a big opportunity to talk about competition, right? There's this great paper recently published by the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives. Um, Canada 2020, you could do some great research on competition too. Mm-hmm. I'd love to pitch you on that kind of stuff. I'm here. I've got project pitches ready to go, but, you know, they, they, They pointed to it narratively, but they just didn't talk about competition and small business and competition and labor and entrepreneurs. And I I really thought that was a missed opportunity. So, narratively, you know, making life more affordable for everyday people. My friends, that's reviewing the Competition Act, building an economy that works better for more people. Once again, (laughs) review the Competition Act. Um, It is foundational to. Almost everything we want to achieve as a country. And there's also all these other policy goals we have that are kind of fundamentally competition issues like pharmacare. That's competition. You want to if there's room in that trench coat, um, that's a competition issue.
0: too. We've got the name of the report.
1: Yeah. Room in the trench coat. Room in the trench coat. Room in the trench coat. Modernizing
0: competition for the 22nd century. It's perfect. <laughs> that is, there's gotta be a think tank that someone is furiously scribbling notes for a funding proposal.
1: Yeah. But like, you know, the glace the glacier is moving. I was throwing some broad shade at the general intellectual landscape on competition. Maybe not totally fair there.
0: No, no, you're fair. Um, it's always okay. fair. So I would say friends- what intellectual landscape, like you mentioned <laughs> that it's, there's nobody that, you're there. Your, your writing um, partner is there. Where, where yeah. is everyone
1: else? You know, I'm meeting more and more younger people, kind of upstarts in the space, dare I say disruptors, like <laughs> who want to take this on and who are doing excellent research and coming at it in their own way. Um, I guess maybe I'll mention, you know, our friends at CD Howe have a Competition panel or competition group, and and they put out some little memos, uh, which can be great to to learn their stance and kind of where they're at. And very recently, it it seemed that they're divided in terms of whether the efficiency defense is still serving us our best interests, right? And that's actually huge because that is that's a really big part of the existing act. Um, there's also tons of things we can do related to competition. Um, adjacent to the act right we could uh create an independent canadian competitiveness, competitiveness council report to parliament take on some of that advocacy and policy research work for competition we could mandate having more diversity on the competition tribunal right the ei system has a has a tripartite oversight structure that's that's a huge source of inspiration for that um we could just um anyway there's I don't want to bore you by reading like my dream list of everything that I'd love to see happen, because what I'd like to see happen is something that I haven't told you yet.
0: Oh, you (laughs) mean saving something.
1: I've been saving it. I should have said it earlier. No,
0: no, no. It's a good uh, build. This is like jazz. (laughs) It's the building and release of tension. So it's perfect. Yeah.
1: Well, somebody needs to do more work to solve for the literacy gap on competition work. And that's solvable, right? But that came through through the election too. So I was trying to say, what got me stoked? Where am I hopeful? What were the kind of clues or cool ideas on competition that we shouldn't lose sight of? We shouldn't lose sight that this is an esoteric policy space that's fairly meaningless. It's dominated by economists. In fact, I was starting to look through MPA and MPP degrees online, which I run one, to be like, Is everyone teaching competition? Is no one teaching competition? Like, what does it mean to educate our policy class and present competition policy as something that's economist only, Mm -hmm. right? That's a miss. So before, I really think before or concurrent to that simple review of the act, we need to do more work to just solve for that literacy gap, invite people to the conversation, and create spaces for really smart, intelligent, thoughtful people to be vulnerable and say, wait, how does this work? Why does it work that way? So that we can empower more people to help improve competition and and help improve
0: this country. Is there, is is there, no, I I agree with you with that, on on that. Is there a risk? I remember years ago talking to someone about, about tech and regulation and, uh, I'm not going to say who, but i'll I'll tell you later <laughs> okay I don't want to, I don't want to out this person in case in case they don't want to be, but i I was talking to them, and they said, you know companies like Facebook and so on love regulation to the extent that it acts as a barrier to competition that you know sometimes regulations actually right. help help entrench uh, the monopoly and the oligopoly because it creates these barriers that new entrants to the market can't pass. And I wonder to what extent the, the, the comp, competition infrastructure in this country, um, the, that those under it want some sort of regulation that they can use as a barrier? I mean, is that a challenge? When we're thinking about competition, how do we think about it in such a way that says, let's make sure we don't design competition rules that actually entrench mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the incumbents? Uh, how do we avoid that? Like, What, what, what does it look like if, if we're controlling for, for that concern?
1: this one simple trick will help us avoid that. I mean,
0: now, now we've got the contemporary (laughs) references.
1: This, uh, you know, that would have us talking in a meaningful way about digital, digital gatekeepers, right? Again, back to, back to platforms. So I would say that's likely to come up in a potential review of the act. There's, um, an inquiry into digital regulation that was recently announced in the UK that Canada could totally take some inspiration for, and they're just looking at okay, how well coordinated are we with digital regulation, and do regulators have that power, capability, and expertise to keep keep pace with change? So, I think large digital firms, I, I doubt they'd straight out oppose again just a review of the Act, but I'm I'm sure they'd I'm sure they'd be at the table. Of course, mm-hmm. um, it's it's in their business interests. But again, I want to really be careful because it's not about demonizing companies and it's not about pointing to certain companies. It's about recognizing it would be difficult, if not impossible and disingenuous. I've never said that word out loud, I think, so might have to delete that. No, nailed it. To <laughs> to fault, to somehow retroactively fault companies for something we've just decided is anti-competitive behavior, but we were never clear on before, right? Like, right. Uh, as a to be a wild card, which is the hand I like to play, I I blogged, you know, asking, uh, "Hey, is Shopify's App Store anti-competitive? Like, based on these cases of app stores, what would it mean if we imported that here? What should we, you know, consider?" And I was met with such a chill. You know, I received private notes, but it was just like, oh, like we'll talk about big tech, but we're not going to we're gonna talk about
0: Shopify. Not a sweet right? baby Shopify.
1: And I would say that's more of a risk than, you know, impeding further innovation. The Again, I, I'm not trying to name them to make it like scary or sick or doing anything wrong. I'm just saying it's the kind of thinking that we have to be doing to understand where the opportunities are or could be. Um, We know that concentration in markets hurts consumers, hurts workers, hurts small businesses, hurts entrepreneurship, hurts job creation. Mm -hmm. So it is in our interests to be considering it. And I don't think competition reform comes at the expense of innovation. In fact, I think it's one of, again, the foundational instruments of innovation in this country. I mean, I'm team. I'm team review the
0: competition. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but but I, you know, I'm I'm not a I'm not a capitalist. Uh, I'm always willing to hear people out and have the discussion uh, and meet them on their own terms. But I want to meet I want to meet capitalists on their own terms here. Mm-hmm. The sort of nape, the the very argument for capitalism, the classic argument for capitalism, is that competition breeds efficiency. And right. to the extent that you have monopoly and oligopoly, and as a socialist will tell you, that capitalism, in fact, tends towards monopoly and oligopoly. But, you know, traditionally, the response to that has been, okay, well, we need to find a way to limit that. And, uh, and in some cases, to break it up. Think about the trust busters in the U.S. Um, in the, you know, the Roosevelt era, the other one. And yet, you know, then we get the, the test case in reality, and everyone's like, whoa, 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 whoa let's not yeah. get crazy here but is the fundamental argument for capitalism is competition well what happens when you don't get competition free and fair
1: competition yeah free and fair competition right like this is about yeah this is about the rules and the economy is becoming much more digital um this is changing businesses and markets digital businesses are just inherently different they can scale more quickly than brick and mortar big surprise they can better leverage data to create and reinforce their dominant positions. So we do need new laws to address the specific problems that are inherent to digital
0: businesses. Right. But the, the, so those challenges are still operating within the old uh, deal. I, I, yeah. I, I suppose it's a new paradigm in the sense that you said there, there are very different dynamics, but it's still the fundamental problem of, of when companies do really take off and if they capitalize on early mover or even second mover advantages they can they can block out the sun pretty quick and then it's of course tough to catch up from that right it's hard to i'm trying to think of like who could for instance enter the marketplace in Canada in 2021 and take on shopify hmm. no one right like a foreign competitor maybe but domestically someone could
1: I mean, maybe someone could. Maybe they'd be part of a killer acquisition from Shopify, right? If you look at Shopify's acquisition history, there are some interesting ones there, but none of them meet our merger review threshold. Um,
0: I mean, acquisitions be a tool of of oligopoly. I'm not saying, I I don't know the Shopify case. I'm just saying, theoretically, we see this is a a classic tech. Well, this is not a classic tech. This is a classic business play (laughs) to buy up your competitors, right? And this is
1: Right. Yeah. 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 And and you know I have less expertise on mergers and acquisitions, but asking that question, like what, how hard is it for a new entrant to enter a market? Is a good one. Um, could another firm compete with Shopify to provide you know the digital infrastructure of running a business? Maybe. Um, there are alternatives to Shopify. They're just. Not as popular and not as good, so yeah. yeah. Um, and that's like, and a, maybe yeah. a different conversation.
0: And good for Shopify, right? Like, what you know, if, if you want something that's good and that works and you can trust, I look. I would go. I would go to Shopify if I was looking for that service. I know them. I know their their credibility. I know it works. I would go to them. But at what choice, you know, if I'm just a person in the world looking who uses heuristics to try to get through yeah. the day, which we all do, that's <laughs> that's where I'm going, right? Well,
1: I was. I mean, maybe I should have a Shopify store where I can sell my free Boswell swag. Um, I'm sorry, you're Commissioner what? Boswell. <laughs> it's just a joke. I have that, <laughs> okay. like a mug or like a book bag. says free we are Boswell. So just hip a with joke. the
0: kids today. That's the <laughs>
1: no. I I'm glad we're talking about Shopify though for a second because Shopify is actually the firm you know we should be taking inspiration from when we look ahead to reviewing the Competition Act, right? Shopify empowers independent businesses. Right, um, right. And as, as consumers kind of prime their minds to reconcile with the comfortable, very comfy oligopolies and trench coats that have come to characterize our country, legislators need to arm the rebels, right? Legislators need to make sure we have the right regulatory guardrails to promote and protect vigorous competition in a digital context.
0: That doesn't sound and like our legislators.
1: <laughs> Shopify, but Shopify can only go so far, right? Sure. Shopify helps Entrepreneurs all over the world. Yes, I love that. I'm a Shopify stand too. It's it's a part of our heritage. Um, <laughs> it helps them create online stores. But the firm alone, the firm cannot single handedly eliminate every single e commerce challenge that their merchants face. But better public policy can. Um, so maybe that's maybe that's where I'll leave you on Shopify. Not seeking to demonize the firm. Not seeking to make unfounded uh, accusations. But maybe just highlighting that the firm exemplifies what our philosophical approach to competition policy in a digital age should be. yeah, um, And could be. So that would be, that would be a huge, uh, huge intervention from, from Canada if we could, if we could infuse that spirit to an outdated act.
0: Yep. It, yeah. It, it's something we have to absolutely have to wrap our heads around. I mean, genuinely, I mean, I pay a, a lot of attention to the Canadian political firmament. event, uh, God help me, and but I mean there is there is almost nobody asking these questions. I I think of you, and then uh, uh, Daniel Daniel Monroe, I guess kind of. Yeah,
1: I mean Uh, Robin uh, Shabon, who I mentioned. But um, a gentleman named Andrew Nixon is doing great work on competition and agriculture. Brian Carney over at the Taii has done a lot of great um, research and publishing on the the grocery. Price fixing stuff. So it, you know, it comes up in in blips and spurts. Um, Certain business reporters have done great work on that labor side. You know, getting get rid of non competes, get rid of NDAs, empower workers. Uh, Christine Dobby's been on that beat. So it's there. It's there. Um, But do we need more? Yes, we need more. We need more research. We need more voices, and we need to have a more robust conversation. And I think it's going to be a huge political win for who's ever willing to take it on as an issue. And if, if they have to frame it as a response to big tech in order to make it politically palatable, fine, but that's not my reasoning. That's not what, that's not why I think we need to do it.
0: As Lenin said, you know, the power was just laying in the streets waiting for someone to pick it up. And so I know our politicians uh, love it when I I try to use Lenin to induce them (laughs) to do the right thing. So I, what is to be done? We might ask, I guess. So uh, we, in, in the sort of 10 minutes that remains, I want to tackle two things. One, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sure. give you a hint so that you can prepare. One is, are there solutions, competition solutions outside the free market? But that'll be the last question. Before that, I want to get into uh, something that you just got me thinking of, which is the media space and the role yeah. that the media space plays in, in encouraging this discussion or not, as the case may be. You named a handful of people. It strikes me that if we had, you know, the labor beat that we had in the 70s and 80s, it would be easier to have this conversation. I'm wondering to what extent <clears throat> media capacity right now is making this harder or, or easier to talk about. Because I've seen your work in, the, in, the, in a few places, the globe, for instance, uh, I've used it before, but there isn't a ton of that stuff circulating in, the, in, in a lot of the mainstream spaces that, that I've seen.
1: No, I mean, I I write for the Globe Mail and the National Post and in regs to riches. So if I put those, if I cobble those three things together. So I think it's not just a deficiency from the media side. I think we also have to recognize that there's a concentration problem in media too, right? Mm -hmm. And a consolidation issue, which is bad for democracy. Sure, also bad for, you know, Beats and the robustness of those, and the resources that we have to look into these issues. Often, when I'm writing in in Rex to riches, I'll always put in like, I'll reference the other news stories, like the real news stories. I'm not a journalist, uh, you know, the news stories that are descriptive. They're describing something, but they're not uh, always as analytical. Like a digital infrastructure piece, where a real estate software company basically had it in their slide deck that they're going to consolidate and then. They jacked prices 400. percent Well, you know we can report on that merger, but how do you how do you take that extra step and, and do the work of contextualizing it and you know wondering if it's a challenge and and take it out of the 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 DMs of the super smart people at the competition bureau that probably see a lot and uh, can't be as vocal or exploratory as as i can mm-hmm. i'm f- i'm fumbling out loud and in the open and i love every minute of it
0: fumbling out loud in the open is such a great name for a, like a, a biography by the way it's,
1: yeah okay it's
0: true so, so we're just we're just developing i have there. a
1: strong inclination towards doing right and that's maybe what i'm trying to articulate no
0: i i, and... I, I absolutely hear that also can i quickly say I, I i think i've told you this before but the regs to riches which is the sub, <laughs> sub stack that's, it's it's under Substack, right I,
1: yeah right.
0: It's such a good name
1: i have a custom url but it's under
0: yeah store. that's what it, i highly recommend people <laughs> sign up it's it's very entertaining and, and very readable too it's one of the things i look at in my in, inbox when it pops in and uh yeah i do i do highly recommend it okay so i want to close out on this because we have a couple minutes left um, what about outside the market? I mean, you know, to what extent is this a problem that gets solved, in fact, by saying, oh, actually, there are industry spaces where the market's just not going to cut it? Uh, I, I think a little bit of, for instance, bus service is a good example of that, where, you know, we just can't have inter bus service infrastructure that seems to work in this country. And so that seems to be a state problem. Are there other spaces where we say this is, actually isn't a competition problem? It's a market problem.
1: Well, I think there are instances where we might say this isn't totally a competition problem. It's a privacy problem, right? Hmm. This is a data management, data ownership. We're not having the right conversations, you know, distinguishing between data that's volunteered or data that's derived from a company and who owns what and what they can do with it. Um, And that, you know, the consent model is so broken that it's then leading to these, you know, data moats or, you know, whatever, et cetera. Um, that's impeding the progress of other companies. Even just more transparency, like labeling and deceptive marketing, that's part of competition, what the Competition Bureau cares about, um, as well as consumer protection in their own ways. Um, But I think something like private label products can be kind of anti-competitive in the sneaky way, right? Where you're shopping at, sorry, I'm going to name Canadian companies, okay? Yeah. Home Depot, Marks Work Warehouse, the Bay, and you think that these brands are their own independent brand, but they're owned by the Bay. Right. But I think that's
0: if you can fine find a cashier. generally,
1: If you can find a cashier. I think that's fine generally, but I just like to be able to know that. I think we should have more proactive disclosures. I think it's I think it's sneaky. Um, I think it's sneaky, and I think we're not talking about it and interrogating it because it's just like a white label thing that we've come to come to accept as you know how businesses work or you you know you buy the company so then you own them and you you keep it under its own brand sorry to give you a boring answer
0: no no (laughs) but that does drive me banana we just said in telco too people like there's real competition in telco if you don't like rogers you can get fido
1: like, oh, absolutely, man. those flanker, those flanker brands, right? <laughs> Come on, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so it's yeah, it's about the illusion when you're like, how, you know, how do you understand the problem? Well, don't forget, there's a lot of, it can be very opaque. Yeah. Um, in terms of understanding that platform, you know, there's no one report that comprehensively discusses competition and banking in Canada, but there should be. Like, we need to evaluate: Are we? How are we doing with our? banking oligopoly um what should change i've got see fourteen
0: dollars bank- a month that says not very good by the way <laughs> fourteen dollars
1: <sighs> what's that your business uh plan Uh,
0: that's my uh, well i don't know what it is that's my that's what i pay in banking fees for my personal account i can't tell you Oh, you got to
1: negotiate that down that's
0: uh you know what you know it's the power of of uh, cost
1: of switching is high but let's quantify the cost of switching you should try to switch your bank actually that'd be interesting
0: uh, i it would be a giant but you're right. It, it is a giant pain in the ass, and 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 of course that's part. Of, and plus, like, where do you go, right? Yeah. Uh, and then so you end up kind of where you started, and uh, this inertia, the power of inertia is strong. It's like what banks have: the little Leo's saver's account, and then like 40 years later, it's like you know, <laughs> you're long in the tooth, and you're still there. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah, I'm. A, I got. I got. They snagged me. I'm a Leo the Lion saver. Yeah. 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 They both they got both of us, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, it's
0: how they do it. You get a little, oh, no. little line on the bank passport book back when we used to do. You know, remember you put the book, put, you put the book well, in the machine, and it would update your account. Remember those?
1: I do remember those. I liked using that. Yeah, me too. Here's something sneaky the banks are doing right now. Sorry, because you wanted to wrap up, but there's some new, there's some new know your product rules, which are good for investment advisors, but in kind of a bit of a protest what some banks are doing in response to this new kind of more consumer centric approach to investment advice is they're saying, cool, we are now only going to offer institutional and retail investors, our own mutual funds, like our own investment products. Oh um, no! So if you bank with TD and TD's out in the open doing this, they will now only recommend their products, but perversely, this is like legitimized through a rule that designed to support and empower consumers. So if that is called self-preferencing and that is something that our competition act doesn't currently contemplate. Guess what? It happens online, but it can happen offline too, and that's why we need more research and more kind of eyes on this and why I'm so grateful to you and, and to Canada 2020 for for hosting me in this conversation, and I look forward to hearing from people and feedback. Like, please don't hesitate um, to send me a note or something. I'm looking forward to hearing from more people and making new friends.
0: Well, the, the, what what a fantastic note to end on. Always looking forward to hearing people to hearing from people and making new friends. I would just like yeah. to say that I am looking forward to uh, neither. So please do get <laughs> in touch with with Vas. With but VAS I'm directly. All, I'm all I'm full. <laughs> I've got, I know six people. I don't, that's it. <laughs> I've reached my quota. The trench coat is full. Okay. The trench coat is full. The trench okay. coat is full. That brings us to time. Uh, first of all, thank you very much for doing this. This was great. I always learn so much from you. As it's always such a pleasure to talk to you. So thank Aww, you for you're so me nice. today. you're so nice. And as always, my thanks to uh, Carolyn Smith and to Aaron Reynolds to make the show not just possible, but better than it would be without them. Uh, you know, this, you, you hear the best cut of this, but but poor Aaron has to deal with all my nonsense on the back end and he's an absolute champion. Okay. Thanks so much to everyone. We'll see you back here in two weeks where we'll be talking about something. I don't know what, but grew something great. And in the meantime, uh, take care and stay, stay safe.